Hello, and welcome to the Chris Yeh Podcast. I am Chris Yeh. And in today's podcast episode, I will be interviewing the first couple to go on Mental Samurai, the Thorntons, Stephanie and Jameson. We'll talk about how they met, how Mensa plays such an important role in their life, and relive their dual runs on Mental Samurai. I think you'll agree it's going to be a fascinating, fascinating set of insights. I also do want to apologize for this podcast being out somewhat late. It turns out there were a whole bunch of things conspiring against us. On Tuesday, the Jamesons were going to watch Mental Samurai, and then we were going to record. But as it turns out, due to uh, some sort of utility issue around their house, their internet access was knocked out. And then they were traveling the rest of the week. I was traveling, and finally this morning was the first time we were able to actually make it work. So apologies for the delay, but I think you'll understand, and after listening, believe that it was well worth the wait. Let's listen in to the Jamesons. Hello, hello. Please welcome the Thorntons to the Chris Yeh Podcast. Hi, this is Stephanie. And this is Jameson. Such a pleasure to have you guys on. So obviously you just went on Mental Samurai episode four last week, but let's hear a little bit about the journey that brought you there. So uh, how did you guys meet? I think I heard it was through Mensa. And how did you guys end up on the show? Yeah, so we met, um, I was living in Boston at the time, and Jameson flew out from San Francisco for a Mensa event. And we actually met in my kitchen. <laughs> so, yeah. Well, how did that happen? Because I don't think he just randomly came to your kitchen. There must have been something. No, so I was um, traveling with a friend that I met in Mensa. Um, and based on her suggestion, we were going to go to Boston to check out this local regional gathering. I'd never been to Boston. I figured out the heck, let's go. Um, and our friend Jody knew Stephanie from a previous Mensa event. Mm -hmm. Um, and since Stephanie was a local, she was um, hosting a handful of people who were flying in. Uh, she lived not far from the airport in Boston. Um, since we were doing a red eye, we figured we'd stop in at Tent and um, get a little bit of breakfast and meet some locals and then travel from there. Yeah, I say within the first five minutes of meeting Jameson, I gave him bacon and mimosas. So it was you know, pretty sealed at that point. <laughs> so you meet as a result of this event. And I should mention that you guys are actually recording this from your hotel room at another Mensa event as we speak. So it sounds like you're very active in the Mensa community. Can you talk a little bit about sort of what you get out of the community, why it's uh, something that's such an important part of your lives? Uh, yeah, so we've been to a, a number of Mensa events, uh, you know, before we met each other and very much after we met each other as well. Um, <clears throat> I think one of the, the nice things about Mensa for me is it, it just kind of feels like home. It's, you know, you meet some other interesting, smart, quirky people. Um, it just kind of feels like your tribe. It's a place that you fit in, mm -hmm. which is something I really appreciate. So people get your jokes. <laughs> yeah, so, yeah, I mean, I've been in Mensa for almost 15 years now, I guess. And I first joined because I moved to a new city. I didn't know anybody. It was hard to like meet people like just to be friends <laughs> like where do I find friends and that's when I found Mensa and um it's been a huge part of my life um I said on the show that you know most of my best friends I've met in Mensa and it's absolutely true uh we go to the annual gathering every year it moves around the country uh, we're actually at mind games right now which is a board game event where we get to play test and evaluate games from game manufacturers so it's like almost 48 hours of nonstop board gaming fun which is amazing um 
I actually served on the national board for Mensa for a couple of years and I've served in the local chapter too. Um, I met my husband there. Like it's a huge part of my life and I'm forever grateful for Mensa. Wow. That is really cool. And, you know, I have to ask, obviously Mensa is a society where a lot of Mensa members ended up on the show. Did you know any of the other contestants beforehand? No, actually, we didn't. Um, Matt Potts, um, I didn't know him beforehand, but we have a lot of mutual friends. <laughs> so I think when I saw my face, like it was like, you have 29 mutual friends. And I think all of them were Mensons, uh, a few people from Mental Samurai <laughs> after the fact. But um, it's a very overlapping network. Yeah, it's interesting. Yeah. Uh-huh. Now, Mensa, obviously, is a society for people with very high intelligence. And I think you take a test to get in. And what was mentioned on the show, Jameson, is that you're like a, I think, a 99% guy and Stephanie's like a 99.9% woman. So when did you guys exchange your scores and how did you discover this? Uh, so we'd never actually exchanged scores. <laughs> uh, I think, so I, I took like, the initial Mensa test again because I didn't have any prior evidence um, that was useful. So I actually scheduled a, like a two-hour test on a Saturday some number of years ago, 10 plus years ago, um, and took you know, kind of standardized test. Um, and then several weeks later, got something in the mail that says, congratulations, you made the threshold you're in, but they didn't give me like any score. So for all I know, I, you know, I could also be in the 99.9%, but they just didn't tell me. You at least in your 98%, <laughs> right? Yeah. yeah. Um, so for me, the other way that you can join Mensa is by prior evidence. So there's a list of like 30 plus test scores from standardized IQ tests that you might have taken in the past. Um, and I had actually taken the Stanford Binet test, whatever it is, when I was in second grade to get into my elementary school gifted program. And so those were the scores that qualified me. So I'd always said like, wow, I could have lost a lot of brain cells since then. And they still would take me. <laughs> like You just have to score it once. Um, but then in my mid 20s, I guess I decided to go to business school. I only took four classes. I dropped out, but I had to take the GMAT um, and I scored really high on that one. And that was the score that actually qualified me for the triple nine system. Society. So that was the 99.9 percentile. Yeah. <laughs> nice. I should check into this because I, I took, I have a Stanford Binet score from when I was like you in the second grade. I think I have a Wexler score from my teens and I have a GMAT score. So I should, I should look into this. I might qualify. Um, you probably would. I'm pretty certain of it. You could just submit that and start showing up for events. It's really fun. <laughs> There you go. Now, uh, let's talk about the show. You guys were probably recruited for the show. Did they latch on to the fact that you guys were a couple right away and, and husband and wife? And they said, oh, my God, we got to get you on. Or how did that end up being a part of things? Yeah. So I had started the audition process, I don't know, a month or two in advance. Um, they had actually found me. There was casting for a show a few years ago called Nation's Brightest that never got greenlit that I had gone through the process for. And I guess there's some overlap. And they had found me because I was on a reality TV show one summer called The Glass House. And I was like the smart one in the house. So somehow I ended up in this like pool of like smart people to cast from. So they reached out and I went through the whole process. And then they had asked like, hey, is there anybody else you know that might be interested? I was like, oh, I'll be my husband. And so I'll let Jameson tell how he got on the show. Uh, yeah. So Stephanie, meant, like I knew she was auditioning for this the whole time. I was like, oh, that's really cool. You know? I'll, I'll fly down with you when you go shoot and I'll hang out with the baby while you're shooting on this TV show, you know, totally support you and all that. And then, uh, she told me the casting producers were looking for some more people and she asked if I was interested. I was like, yeah, sure. What the heck? Let's, let's do this thing. Um, and so then I think it was 
maybe two or three weeks before we would end up shooting. They they were trying to schedule a flurry of um, just make sure I wasn't uh, completely devoid of intelligence. <laughs> um, so I took those, you know, phone calls and quick Skype calls and stuff like that. And I guess I did well enough uh, riding on Stephanie's coattails to uh, <laughs> to get on the show. So that's kind of how that all played out. <laughs> Well, that is so funny because uh, I think I was I came in through Nation's Brightest as well. So my sister had sent me an email about Nation's Brightest, and I wrote into them, and it ended up being Jeff Aploff's niece, who was the casting director, who worked with me. And so somehow my name got on the list, or maybe I think that maybe she talked to her uncle and said, "Hey, there was this guy; he might be good for the show." And, it all worked out. So that was, uh, that was pretty funny. And then I will say that, you know, we filmed some, a hometown package for the competitors that go on the show and they get a run, they get a hometown package filmed. And when they found out that my wife and I met in Boston, actually, there's another thread in common. She had been, uh, she graduated from Harvard and I was out there to work and they were like, wow, would you be interested in going on season two? And she's like, no, no. <laughs> That's funny. So that sets up the show itself. So there's this big deal. It's the husband and wife. And I think we made a big deal out of the fact that Stephanie, in most of these games, you said eight or nine times out of 10, you come out on top. So Absolutely. is that really true? Uh, you, you are the competitive one, it sounds like. Yes. I mean, we're both competitive, but I just usually win. <laughs> well, that's both of those are true. I'm, I would say I'm like mildly competitive and Stephanie's much more competitive. <laughs> Yeah. So but, she wins the competition for being competitive, totally. which I don't care about. So that's fine. <laughs> All right. So something that the folks at home don't necessarily know is that the show is edited together in an anachronic fashion, which is to say things aren't necessarily in the order you see them. Correct. And so I'm curious, when you guys went on, what was the order? Who's run, Who went on the run first? Who went on the run second? Did you guys get to go on the same day and be together or were you separated out? How did that work? So yeah. I, I would say it, it worked out pretty much just as you saw it on TV. Stephanie really went first. Immediately after I was watching her run back into it in real time, uh, backstage watching the monitor. Uh, they told me, you know, try and react to it and stuff, but don't be too loud because, you know, don't, don't shout out the answer and she can hear you because that'll invalidate her run. I was like, okay, we'll be quiet. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, she really did go on first and I went on immediately after her. Yeah, that was all that happened. Wow. That's really cool because – actually adds to the drama because uh, for those of you who don't know at home uh, if when you go on the show what happens is they they have this raised platform it's very slow it's like being an astronaut <laughs> and it brings you up to actually they unstrap the person who was there before and then they strap you in so you guys actually got to interact between the two runs what happened what was the conversation actually yeah, actually, they did it a little bit different for us. So they brought me down all the way um, so that they could film our interaction, like in that little backstage area by the screen, like the little transition time. Mm. So instead of coming down and him going right back up, they brought me down. I went backstage. We had a couple minutes to chat. And then he went in and got loaded in and went up. Got it. And did they allow you to give any advice that they didn't show on television? What happens during that conversation? Because as you know, they, they shoot a lot of footage and then they edit it down. Um, there wasn't, I mean, they didn't encourage us to give advice, but they didn't say don't give advice, but yeah. no advice was given. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I watched, watched the whole thing. Yeah, so. I watched the whole thing. Yeah. So I had that, I guess, subtle benefit. But yeah. usually anybody, <laughs> and, hey, anybody who's sitting backstage <laughs> is able to watch the person in front of them. So actually, like, 
Like Bam Bam. Oh my gosh. We had both watched Frankie Bam Bam. Um, oh. before. He was like in front of us. We're backstage like, haul it out. But just sometimes you just don't know things, right? You you're never, you're yeah. not going to learn it in three minutes. You totally feel for it. Totally. But yeah, so you, you get to kind of see the person in front of you a little bit. Um, so anyway, so we had a little bit of an interaction. They, I think they had to do like two little quick shoots. None of which they aired until I came in. Or she came in and she was like, oh, oh, by the dwarves. Thank you. Yeah. Like, oh, yeah, you got seven. I was like, oh, well, I'm going to get 12 or whatever. <laughs> So they, yeah, they cut all they that. cut it all. It was fine. <laughs> well, that is the nature of television. They shoot as much as they need to, and then they ultimately make the story come out in editing. So, Stephanie, let's talk about your run. And what were you feeling as you are getting ready for, and getting ready and, and getting strapped in? And how does it feel as you're going through the run? Yeah, I mean, as most people have said, you talked about it too, like you're sitting around all day. So we had got at like 6 a.m. Uh, we actually talked with the producers because we had our one-year-old daughter with us and our au pair was at the hotel and she's only like allowed to work 10 hours a day. We, <laughs> we brought another childcare. Um, so they're going to have us go on earlier in the day and our initial run order, we're going to be like number five and six for the day. The way we went and filmed our intros, all of that. They had like called us. It was great. And then like maybe got like shuffled into like 20 something for the day. So they're like sitting around all day. Um, I mean, lucky we actually got to film. Some people didn't even do that, but it was, I don't know, like eight o'clock at night. Yeah. So we've been there for like 14 hours or so. Yeah. At that point, you're just like, oh my gosh, finally. <laughs> it was relief to just like actually be filming. Um, it was like an adrenaline rush. Um, I had just seen Bam Bam. So I, the last thing I said to Rob, which didn't make it on a um, cut, was just like, oh my gosh, I'm so scared. There's be some pop culture reference that I don't get. <laughs> I don't know. And he was like, oh, that never happens. Right, audience? You know, flashing back to Bam Bam. Um, obviously, these were on different episodes, so it didn't make the cut. But that was like my one thing I was thinking was just like, please don't be a question in my first like one or two that I, I just don't know or please don't go out on something that's like solvable <laughs> like i was like just make it through a few i really thought i could win ten thousand dollars if you go in like thinking you can do it probably we all did um so yeah i was just super excited when we first started yeah and so you're going through your run and i think you're going through at a very good pace and then well you know it, it happens to everyone i think that Bam Bam said he's the only person on the show who didn't get any questions wrong and he's probably right about that but Obviously, you know, you, you end up not completing the run. Talk about what happened. Yeah, you know, uh, it was a seven dwarves question. It was um, true or false. Doc is the only one of the dwarves that's name doesn't end in a Y. Um, and I was going through my head and I was counting on my fingers. I went through actually a couple of times. I think it only showed like one time going through it on the final cut. Um, and I was really only counting six. And But I just had this idea in my head. Some people say, is it hard to think quick when you're in the chair? And I would say it's actually hard to think slowly when you're up there because you feel that time crunch. And like you said, I was making really good time. Like I probably could have stopped and like taken 30 to 40 seconds on that, but I just felt like I had to keep up the pace. So I was like, okay, good enough. Um, I'm like, I think Doc's different somehow. And so I locked it in. Um, and honestly, I didn't even think about Bashful. I really couldn't. <laughs> so two things I want to add here. So I'm backstage watching her, right? And they're filming my reactions and she's trying to think of it. And I'm like, okay, it's Bashful. And, and something they cut out that I really wish they had added was, I said, she can't think of bashful because it's not in her vocabulary. She's not a bashful person at all. She's very outgoing. And then the other thing that's really uh, difficult about mental samurai is, you know, as they say, you have to be perfect. You can't get a single question incorrect. Mm -hmm. And even though, you know, we're quote unquote, very smart people, most of these things are frankly, you know, standardized tests where you can guess on answers, whether that helps you or not, but you're allowed to guess and get it wrong. And there's no, true. It doesn't stop you. 
It doesn't say, oh, whoops, you guessed the, the first answer incorrectly. You know, your IQ is zero. Yeah, it's true. Oh, okay, you have another hundred questions to go. So guessing is not a bad thing in a lot of tests. Yeah. But mental samurai, you cannot do that. Yeah. And I will say like, in retrospect, I've thought about it. Like, okay. Yeah. Doc was one syllable. Everybody else is two syllables. And I think that was what was like popping in my head is it's different. And then if I had just thought for like 30 seconds and like, I'm coming up with six, why would they be asking this question? Unless it's a trick question. Like maybe I could have logic my way out of it. So I will forever be haunted by those dwarves. <laughs> Well, I, I think that it is a very common thing that everyone is haunted because I don't – occasionally people just get a question they just don't know the answer to. But you know, I talked with Jamie Alexander who's also on that one of those shows and she said, you know, that morning I thought to myself, I should really look up state capitals. But she ran out of time and didn't do it and we're just all haunted by this. So that's actually funny because that was one of the things I was thinking like, OK, state capitals might be difficult. I should actually go look those up. Yeah. And I – I don't know that I would have, you know, memorized all of them, but there were a couple that I didn't realize that I didn't know. Yeah. I was like, oh, mm -hmm. like Jackson City, Missouri, that's actually the capital. <laughs> okay, knew? that's good to know. Yeah. So, yeah, that's one yeah. of those tricky things. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I will now remember that forever. And watching yeah. at home, by the way, I would have gotten that question wrong as well because it's that time pressure. I was rushing, and if you just spend the time, you go through it, and, and that's the thing you mentioned. You went to it a couple of times. They didn't show it all on the air. But at that point, you're really panicking. You're thinking, I really got to go. I just got to go with it. I can't use up too much time. And that time pressure is one of the things that really sets it apart. Absolutely. Yeah. I felt it. <laughs> and I mean, the producers told us beforehand, like, these are questions that anybody can solve if they just have enough time, which I don't quite agree. Like some of them, you're not going to. Unless and you like Google it. And memory, like it doesn't have time. If you don't remember it, you're not going to get it. But a lot of the questions, I do think if we just slowed down more, um, we probably would have had a bigger success rate. But that's part of the game, right? That you have to be fast. Exactly. It is part of the game. We saw contestants who didn't move fast enough run out of time as well. So mm -hmm. it's a devil and deep blue sea kind of choice that you're going to make. Now, Jamison, you've just watched this run. Stephanie, she's got the 99.9% .9 mark, and, and she's always winning at all these games. You see she, she goes out. Do you think to yourself, this is my big chance, I'm going to show her? Or do you think to yourself, oh my gosh, how am I going to do this? Um, I'd say closer to the former. Um, <clears throat> I was like, okay, I think I, I was able to get pretty much all of her questions. I think I did, probably didn't get some of them quite as fast as she did, like, I think duck face, I, I was staring at for a second. I was like, what the heck? And, you know, I, I realized it just before she said it, but she got it faster than I would have. Um, but it also gave me a little bit more of a clue into how they're going to ask questions and the type of questions. So they gave us a couple of really brief examples, like, you know, backstage in the green room and stuff like that. But they were pretty simple. And I think they didn't really um, allude to the complexity of some of the questions. So I think that helped a little bit. Um, yeah. So I, I was like, okay, I. You know, I, I stand a good chance I might get stuck on a question that I don't know before I would have gotten to, you know, the seventh or eighth, which Stephanie got to, or maybe they'll all be pretty straightforward and I'll make it to 12. So that's kind of where I was thinking about that. So that's good. You were calm. You were in a good frame of mind. And how does it feel when you're getting strapped in, when you're going and, and talking to Rob and, and getting ready to go? So I think just before that, you know, I was getting a little bit of the nervous jitters and I was like, okay. You know, going to be on TV and all this stuff and don't trip and fall on your face or anything like that. Right. So I'm just kind of backstage, like just trying to get out that that excess energy. Um, and I think 
somebody had commented on, and I think it's fairly accurate. You know, they said you went on and you just seemed like you were totally calm and cool. And I was like, yeah, that's, that's mostly true. I actually, uh, like enjoy public speaking, you know, to the extent that it fits in with what I actually do at work. Um, and so, you know, being in front of an audience is not, not a big stretch for me, I guess. Um, I don't know that I would say it's exactly calming, but it's something that's, you know, I've, I've worked on, so it's not too bad. And I generally do have a pretty calm baseline personality. He's much calmer than I am. I'm much more um, hyper. <laughs> it's a good uh, attraction of opposites, I would say. Absolutely. No, and I see that. And it's also very useful. You guys are now parents. And as you know, it's very useful for the parents to have different personalities, different approaches, uh, provided you agree on the fundamentals. Because, <laughs> and it allows you to deal with different things. If you, know, if you disagree on the fundamentals, that's a bigger issue. You should have talked about that before you had the kid. <laughs> yeah, no, it's great. I would say uh, with Victoria, I play with her. We do all kinds of crazy stuff, dancing, singing around the house. And she'll just like grab a book and go sit down with Jameson in his lap to, to read and have more calm times. I mean, you guys will do like silly dancing and singing too, but um, it, it's a really nice balance. Yeah, and I'm really glad that some footage of her made it onto the air as well. I would expect it, of course, but you know, it's great to see the family together. So, Jamison, you're going on your run. Uh, talk us through how you're feeling. You're gaining in confidence. You get to the point where you actually surpass Stephanie. Talk about how all that felt. Um, so some of the things you had talked about in, in some of the prior podcasts was the, the balance between speed and kind of uh, – TV personality. And, <laughs> and I think based on what the producers had said, you know, they said, talk out your answers, things like that. Um, I definitely was leaning more that way um, than, than not, I guess. Um, in some respects, I wish I had gone a little bit faster on some of them, talked them out a little bit less, but uh, I don't know, can't change the past. So I'm not going to worry about it too much. Um, <clears throat> so yeah, going through, you know, several, um, I think just like everybody else, I was hoping, you know, make sure I get the first couple yeah. to, to at least get into the game a little bit. And then as you're getting into it, you know, you, you really start to kind of lock it in a little bit more, um, just going through, getting at a good clip. Um, I think I spent a little bit more time on some of the questions that I would have liked in retrospect, both talking out some of the answers just to kind of be, I don't know, uh, good for TV, which is fine. <laughs> um, but then there was one, um, it was... I think like the second to last one is the memory challenge about the Tom Hanks movie. Oh yeah. Um, and I actually, I couldn't quite hear all of the audio clip at the very end. Like I, I know he said 200 something and I just didn't hear it, whether it was because, you know, my ears cut out for a second <laughs> or something. I don't know, but I heard 200. And so it wasn't so much the memory issue it was more of, I didn't hear it. And I really had to logic my way through the answer, but I, I spent some extra time on it. And I think if I, if I had gone quickly, I would have gotten it wrong because yeah. I, I was like, oh, 240. Yeah, that's probably what it was. And I was like, wait a minute. This is a movie. It's drama. That was killing me in the backstage. <laughs> I was like, no, don't take 240. <laughs> it was super dramatic, too, because you looked like you were leaning 240 and then you switched field at the last second and got the question right. I was like, yes, yes. Uh, and I really was leaning that way because I convinced myself. I was like, oh, yeah, that's a nice round number. That's Wait, no, no, no. This is not a math test. It's not going to be a round number. <laughs> This is a dramatic Reality. movie. Yeah. So it was probably something random. And so I actually talked myself out loud. And so talking out the answer really did help me that one time, even though it took a little more time. And then uh, got to, that was a very cool moment. And then got to the next question with uh, 
with some faces. Uh. But one of the tricky things is, um, so some questions you have multiple choice, right? It's true or false. It's ABC. You can put some things in order. Um, in this one, you know, I was supposed to put them in order, but if I didn't know the face, it's really, it's difficult to guess. And one of the things I wasn't sure about, and this is kind of where my, uh, faux pas kind of came <laughs> in was I wasn't sure if I actually had to know the names or if I could guess the orders of just like the faces, like middle guy, last guy, first guy. <laughs> yeah. Like if that would have been the acceptable order and I would have passed, yeah. it would have been like, okay, well, I guess on that one and that's fine. Um, so I'm not sure if that really would have passed, not that it mattered because I did the order wrong anyway. Mm-hmm. But one of the things I, I thought I had even said to myself under my breath, like, who is this guy? Oh, it's probably like Ryan Seacrest or something, right? Yeah. I swear I thought I did that. Oh. And I was going to show it on TV so I could convince myself that that's what actually happened. <laughs> so we'll never know anymore. Yeah. But, uh, you know, even if I had said that, it's one of those things where it's kind of like I overthought it and said, well, I don't know. And the picture in my opinion, was not a great picture. Uh, <laughs> you know, he had a little bit of scruff on his face, which I don't think he normally has. And then I see the, like, out of the corner of my eye, I see it going down below one minute, and Rob saying, you know, you have less than one minute, and I'm like, I just, I have to move on. Uh-huh. I have, you know, like, three or four questions left, and I'm not going to get them all right, frankly, so I might as well take a guess rather than run out the time and hope for the best. And so I was like, okay, well, I don't know the middle guy's name, <laughs> but, you know, if Michael Strahan is – is one, and then uh, Regis Philbin is the other. Maybe there's a 50-50 shot that his name begins before M. Yeah. And so I'm going to say, well, the middle guy, if his name begins before M, he's coming before Michael Strahan. So I'm going to say, okay, it's the middle guy whose name I don't know, Michael Strahan and Regis Philbin, yeah. <laughs> which obviously did not play out. But whatever. Hey, you know, you played the game as, as best you could. Now, are you typically able to recognize Ryan Seacrest? You mentioned it was a bad photo, but if it was a good photo, would you be able to say that's Ryan Seacrest? Uh, maybe. I'm not sure. <laughs> I mean, I, you know, sometimes you recognize celebrity faces and probably if I saw a random picture today, I, I probably would recognize well, now it. You would. Well, yeah, now I would. <laughs> but I mean, at the time, I'm not really sure. Like, even if you showed me like a, a nice bright picture, I was like, who is this person? I'd be like, uh, I don't know, some celebrity. <laughs> but I also think like, I know, you know, the name Ryan yeah. Seacrest, but I associate it with radio, which you don't see faces on radio, and I don't have cable television. And even if I did, I probably wouldn't watch American Idol. Yeah. So yeah, meh. <laughs> I'll admit, I would not have gotten that question right either. I knew Ryan Seacrest from his photo. I knew Regis, but I didn't know Michael Strahan. So I would have also missed it. There you go. And that is one of the things about Metal Samurai. They wanted to have super genius Mensa type people on and then say, oh, but they don't know who Ryan Seacrest is or they don't know who Michael Strahan is. And it is this one of those traps, the pop culture trap that has tripped up a number of really strong competitors. Mm hmm. Yeah, we felt it. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, the dwarves were pop culture. But <laughs> well, yeah, maybe not pop culture. OK, so Victoria, our daughter, was one at the time. Um, as a newborn gift, my colleagues bought me this super cute um, onesie set from Baby Gap. It was seven onesies that were the seven dwarves. So oh. I don't have an excuse. <laughs> oh, oh, wow, wow, wow! That's incredible. Yeah. Oh well. <laughs> so now, obviously, you've gone on the show, and Jameson, you did do better than Stephanie. You you got more questions right. You got farther. Uh, how has that uh, manifested itself? Did Stephanie, did you just say, ah, oh, that's a fluke? Or did you say, ah, oh, you know what? Nice job, Jameson. 
I mean, nice job. He legit beat me at that game. Um, it doesn't mean I don't still win 80 to 90% of the time. I mean, I feel like maybe it's now, you know, 75% of the time she wins. Yeah. I feel like my favorite okay. turning. Yeah, maybe, little, little maybe a little favor has turned with Mental Samurai. There we go. <laughs> turning the tide. It's having a big impact. I like that. Uh, so I, I've held you guys on for nearly half an hour now, so we'll probably wrap up. But before we go, let's say people are like, wow, I really like the Thorntons. I love what I saw on television. How do I follow them? How do I learn more? Where can they find you? Yeah, um, we're both on Instagram. Uh, I have a public account. It's at City Steph. So C-I-T-Y-S-T-E-P-H. Jameson? Uh, yeah, and then I, I also have an Instagram. It's Jameson.Thornton, J-A-M-E-S-O-N dot T-H-O-R-N-T-O-N. Yeah. So you can follow us there. I mean, it's not like super exciting. I post like nerdy stuff and baby pictures. <laughs> and Jameson actually does glass art. So he posts a lot of photos of the art that he makes, which is really cool. That is very cool. And again, you know, I think that part of the reason I do this podcast is we get you know, like a minute on the air at most for a biographical package to summarize your entire life. And people just have such interesting lives. I love hearing more about them. Yeah, well, we had fun talking with you. Thanks so much for having us on. Yeah, thank you. Wow, what a great interview, if I do say so myself. I'm glad that we got a chance to share some of those special insights. I hope that you'll be tuning in to future episodes where we'll be hearing from other competitors on Mental Samurai, as well as continuing the tradition of recapping the shows. And don't forget, this is all leading up to, at least for me, my own appearance on the show on April 30th. So please do make sure you tune in Tuesday nights at 9 p.m. on Fox. And if you like this podcast, please be sure to share it with your friends. Tell them about it, review it on iTunes or wherever you happen to consume this, and make sure that you like and subscribe and share and get as many people as possible to listen in. I'm Chris Yeh, and thank you for listening. <laughs>